The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. Greetings to you from New Orleans, and greetings to you if you are listening on an audio podcast platform, or if you're joining us on Facebook Live or on Instagram Live. Thank you for guest is really smart. You will hear that in the intro in just a few moments and is offering a really wonderful book pertaining to the times that we're in right now. Before I bring her on, I want to share a bit about myself and my work. If you've been listening, you know that the mission of this podcast is to change consciousness one conversation at a time. Oh, you know what? There you are. If you turn off your volume, Dr. Love, put it on silent and turn it all the way down. That will stop the echo. Yeah, sorry about that. I meant that. to tell you that and did not. It's my very no, first okay. Instagram Live. One Instagram. Yes, it's going to be awesome. So y'all find out more about my work through my website at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And there you're able to schedule virtual sessions with me through Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, and phone. and let me see. Let me just do this. Okay, there we go. And uh, wow, all this technology, I'm getting used to it since COVID last year. I've been learning more and more about utilizing technology like I'm sure you listening or watching are as well. It's a pretty powerful. There you are, Dr. Love. Yeah, I'm added. The volume and, went back up again, but we're down now. Oh, so, perfect. So nolatherapy.com where you can schedule sessions with me. And I'm really excited that my new book is out. It launched two months ago called The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. It's endorsed by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. And just this week, I received notification that it's being translated to Chinese and distributed across Asia. Such an honor and just awesome that I can even into words and I'm just happy about it. Hello, greetings to you, Mani, joining us on Instagram and everyone else who is out there. So NOLA Therapy, you can, there are links to purchase my book, take my online class, which is teaching you 20 psycho-spiritual tools that you can begin right now to enhance your life, improve your happiness, and learn some cool tricks and tips like how to use a pendulum, 
to help you confirm yes or no questions, help guide you. Even if I want to find something in a store and I don't know which way to go, I'll just ask my pendulum, is it this way or that way? And receive that guidance and direction. NOLATherapy.com. Okay, my guest today, we are with Dr. Jennifer Love. She's board certified in psychiatry, in addiction psychiatry, and addiction medicine. She's a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry, Neurology, and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, which all this just means she's really intelligent. We are going to be discussing her book that she co-authored with Dr. Hovick. And here it is. I'm going to hold it up because I think a picture is often worth a lot of words. And it's a very catchy cover with the matches. This book is called When Crisis Strikes, Five Steps to Heal Your Brain, Body, and Life from Chronic Stress. Welcome, Dr. Love. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry I had to turn off the Instagram. Um, the volume wouldn't go all the way down when I went on to the video. It wouldn't let yeah. me mute it all the way. So it's okay. We're that. good with this. I'll be able to put it on your on your site. So no worries at all. The most important thing is our conversation that is being archived right now as we speak. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be with you today and have this conversation with you. Me too. You know, I do have to ask you what it's like to be Dr. Love. And I'm sure you get <laughs> asked this a lot because your name is so beautiful and unique. What is it like to be called to be Dr. Love? Well, it's great until I'm working with couples. Um, it, wow. it, you know, I got teased a lot. Love was my mother's family name. Um, and I took it as my name several years ago um, after divorce. And so I didn't have to deal with Dr. Love for a really long time until I realized, well, this is the family I identify. These are my people. And um, so it is what it is. And I have yeah. people calling me from hospitals going, I need to speak with like air quotes, like a Dr. Love. Like they don't think it's my <laughs> real name. So this is a little okay, embarrassing, but I think it's great. It's such a powerful last name. Well, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about your book. And in, in my understanding, the goals of your book have to do with helping us understand chronic stress from a physiological perspective, the physical symptoms, and then practical steps that we can take to solve the crises or dilemmas we find ourselves in. And then there are a lot of vignettes where you show your steps applied. Where where would you like to start us with understanding this book? So I'll start at the beginning with the concept and what my co-author and I decided to do. And and I won't get into the long story of why we decided to co-author it together, um, because I it's think okay that would take too to. long. Okay, um, okay. But we have very differing backgrounds. You know, you read my credentials, and he's a clinical neuropsychologist in Norway, um, and he's brilliant. And he won PhD of the year a few years ago, and he's written chapters in um, a book that was the number one psychiatry book of the year in England one year, um, or in wow. the UK. So he's really smart, but we have very differing personalities. So you know, I'm kind of introverted and soft. And this guy used to be a PGA member and he's coached, like helped with psychological coaching with the Norwegian ski jumping team. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Totally different experiences. And this California girl has had. So yeah, I just thought, wow, we could really come at this with two very different voices. Um, and really what we wanted to do was to create a way 
to take what we do with our patients on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and make it accessible for people who couldn't have access to us. Okay. So we created together this five-step plan and it was, it took forever for us to come up with it. It's kind of a rearranging of the therapy tools in a way that's more accessible. And so we didn't want it to be too hard that people couldn't use it in kind of a self-help way. Right. We didn't want it to be too simple that it really didn't get at the heart of the issues. We didn't want it to be a feel-good book. So we came up with these five steps. I wrote a little chapter on science that I hope is pretty approachable. Yeah. The subtitle is, you know, it's like the, the science of stress, AKA why you feel like crap. So that's kind of that's yeah. kind of the attitude of it. Let's just explain why you feel like crap and why and and because of the stress and how you can get better. We then explain the five steps and you're right, the whole second half of the book is these vignettes. I love reading biographies. I love people's stories. And mm-hmm. so I wanted this to feel like people could relate to other people going through similar crises, how they applied the steps in their situation. But I wanted to have that kind of biography feel. So personal connection. um, Yeah, that's just the way I wanted to have a book. If I was going to publish a book, I kind of wanted it to be this way. So that's how we ended up with the structure. Well, should we start with, because I think it is important as you start in the chapter about the science of stress and talking about the changes that happen in our body, the brain in crisis. And because I think sometimes we don't know what's happening when we're feeling certain things in our body and it can cause a lot of worry yeah. and fear. It's the worst. And sometimes we don't even recognize when we're really starting to get stressed out. Um, we just start having these physical symptoms. You know, so many of us have been through so much in life that our brains just push it aside so we can just, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then we notice we have a little bit of, you know, a muffin top or we're getting a panda belly or we're waking up in the middle of the night or our sex drive is decreasing and Mm -hmm. maybe we're having, getting sick a lot or having some immune system problems, allergies, whatever. And we start looking at these symptoms and sometimes we don't see that connection with the stress in our adrenal glands and all of that. So for me, I'm curious about everything. Yeah. And it helps me to see the connections. Um, so we know what's at the root of everything. So we're not chasing after, you know, one symptom and seeing one doctor for your GI problem and another doctor for this and that. It's like, oh, well, if stress is at the core of all of this, why don't I work on that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then can you talk a little bit about because I, I know that I've learned that when I'm starting to feel stressed, there's certain physiological symptoms and I meditate to help kind of get out ahead of that. And, and if I start to feel overwhelmed, we'll set, you know, set aside a few minutes to breathe. What are some things that you found helpful before getting into the five specific steps? Yes. So the five steps are about when that alarm goes off in the brain, that danger Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do anything without alarm sounding. It's kind of like when the smoke detector goes off for me, it's always at two or three in the morning. Always. <laughs> you can't sleep while that's going on. You can't read a book. It's like you're running around in your pajamas, half awake, looking for batteries in the dark 
or you're taking a broom to, you know, try yes. to like, which I've done um, when I couldn't reach it. I was jamming the broom. I've done that a couple of times, um, tall ceilings. Um, but the idea is when, when your body is on alert, you can't really get stuff done. You have to address how to bring that alert down. And, um, that's just a really important part of, you know, before you work through the steps, um, is turning that down. We have a very complex system of the brain kind of being command central and sending out the first responders that gets our adrenal glands going and releasing these hormones that are designed to help us survive. So if we see a bear, you know, when we used to live in caves, you know, and we're more primitive and had bears Mm -hmm. and wolves, you know, this is the system we had. And as humans have rapidly evolved into living into suburbs, most of us, you know, maybe if people are listening in Alaska have bears or wolves, but most of us don't, but our systems haven't adjusted. So we are dealing with financial worries and we are dealing with traffic jams and, and other things. The same system gets revved up, but when your body is priming you to get all the energy and glucose and everything to your muscles so you can fight or run and you're sitting instead in your car or in the boardroom or on the couch watching Netflix, you're going to gain weight. You're going to feel tense. Yeah. So there's a lot exactly anxious because, you know, that fight or flight is going. So we talk about those, like kind of some key things that people can do, but you mentioned breathing and breathing is super important. When I was writing the book, I took, you know, darn Norwegian co-author had to do some writing trips to Norway. Poor me. Um, (laughs) It was fabulous. And um, I found a great yoga community. Uh, Dr. Hovik lives in this kind of smaller town up in the mountains. And um, so I was doing yoga on my writing trips and went to a yoga festival and they were teaching these breathing exercises. And I was like, this makes total sense medically. And it has Mm -hmm. to do with the vagus nerve that goes from the brain down to like our throats. So we can scream for help down to our lungs. It affects breathing, Mm -hmm. heart, heart rate down to the diaphragm. So it contracts and helps us breathe and down to the gut. So we can either on one side of the vagal nerve, we're resting and digesting. And then the flip side is it's activating fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually a breathing technique that can help pull you from that fight or flight into the rest digest. And it just has to do with the way the nerve is and the way the breathing rate is where you have an exhalation that's longer than your inhalation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there's a bunch of this online. I can teach you if that's where you want to go today. Um, but there are things that we can do, even when we feel in panic, that yeah. can be very helpful in grounding us to kind of get that immediate alarm turned off. So yes. then we can start, you know, a, figuring out what's going on and what's causing the alarm to go off. So it starts to subside the central nervous system's responses so we can get into using the five-step model so that our brains can actually start to figure things out and shift mm-hmm. from, from that problem to the solution. And some of them take a long time. I'm sorry to say getting the sleep back on track, getting your sex drive back and repairing your immune system 
isn't going to be quick if you've been in chronic stress. You know, we didn't write this book for people who woke up on a Tuesday feeling a little sad. This is really about the chronic stressors that we have. Um, And we wrote this pre-pandemic. It just, we, we turned in the manuscript right at the beginning of 2020 and had no clue what was in store for the world at that point. But we were really focusing on, we have financial problems. We, as we age, our parents age. Um, And so there's, you know, they may have cognitive problems or health problems. Our children become teenagers and that's sometimes an issue. Some people have child children with special needs um, yeah. and that adds stress. We talk about family stress and, you know, all these kind of chronic things that pile up spiritual stress. Right. So we wanted to find a way to approach all that. So we want to turn off the alarm first, but when these things are ongoing, it will take a while for the sleep and everything else and for the adrenal glands to kind of settle down a little bit. So all of that won't be settled before you start the five steps. <laughs> that right. I can yeah. probably guarantee. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to get into the five steps. And I especially love that they're correlated with our hand and each of the five steps representing starting with the thumb onto the pinky to help people remember it. Can we go there, yes. Dr. Love? Yes, we can. I feel like it's important. It was a brilliant okay. idea that Dr. Hovick came up with. And he said, we've got to call it the hand model. And I flipped out. I was like, I understand English is not your first language, but we are not having anything called the hand model. <laughs> it just sounded, it just, I said in English, it just sounds, you know, I'm Dr. Love. I'm not going to have a hand model. Like it's not right. It's funny. But we, we looked, we, we researched all the fingers of the hand and what they do. And he actually came up with the idea. One of his favorite philosophers talks about the hand as being the extension of the brain. And he liked the idea that there's something you can look at and have this reminder in the hand. Um, And when we researched each of the fingers and what they do, Um, we realized as we were taking the tools we use in therapy and kind of reorganizing them to create the model, that there was just the synergy. Mm -hmm. And so it just ended up working. So that's how we came up with the five. Um, The first one is the thumb. Thumb. And that is step one is get a grip. And it's about naming the problem. And it seems so easy, but your problem is never really a problem you have. Well, that's a problem, yes. But what else is going on? Why is this a problem for you personally or for me personally? Mm-hmm. What's in my what's going on in my life? What are the other complications I'm going through? What are my past experiences? And what so am I really think to be true about this experience that I'm having? What are the right. judgments about myself um, or criticisms that I'm making? Absolutely. So someone who's really self-critical is going to have a harder time, may feel more rejection, even if they initiated the process, Mm. than someone who is less self-critical. So step one is really about doing a very gentle excavation down through the layers and kind of finding those fossils that may be triggering us um, because it's not about what we go through in life. It's the context in which we go through it. Yeah. So we all just went through this horrible 2020 and horrible things happened to almost all of us. Um, And we respond differently based on who we are, what we believe in, what's happened to us in the past and everything. So step one is about leading people on that excavation and doing that dig. 
I like that. And then the second step, pointer finger, pinpoint what you can control. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is our brains, you know, since we're wired to look at the crisis, you know, it's like if there's a fire, you're not going to be reading a book. You're trained to look at the crisis. But in real life, when there's not actually your house isn't burning down, um, we still tend to focus on everything that's out of our control. Our brains are wired to look at the Mm. negative. And so the first step of the second step, pinpoint what you can control, because that comes quickly, right? What can I control? I can't control this, 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 this. That's on the forefront of our mind. Once we put that away, then we go through the brainstorming of, well, what can I control? Mm -hmm. And we teach people how to find those things. I can control my schedule. I can work on my sleep. I can't control maybe my parents' cancer diagnosis, but I can talk to the doctor. I can get a good understanding. I can talk to my parent about um, their wishes, what, how they want things to be done, advanced health directives. Absolutely. And then we look at the third question is what can we do about the things we can't control? So we list out the things we can't, we list out what we can, and then options for things that we can do. Um, So step two isn't about creating and understand, because then that's just overwhelming. It's really about challenging that sense of helplessness that Mm -hmm. comes in these big life crises. Um, I say in the book, challenging it to a duel. It's really our brain, when we hit a massive crisis, it checks out um, and it it feels too big. So this is the part of getting the brain thinking about alternatives other than yes. just the alarm that's going off. Um, and to back up to step one really quick, something yeah. just popped in my head. You can't go through step one if you're using escape mechanisms. So the first thing you have to do, yeah, and Dr. Hovick would get on top of me because this is really his his PhD research is kind of attentional control and funnel load. We can't, our reaction, if we are stuck self-medicating in alcohol or cannabis or pornography or 10 hours of video games or work or anything that's really distracting us, we have to learn to first stop those escape mechanisms before we can really dive into the steps and get benefit from them. Absolutely. That's, that's such an important point. And then moving into the third step, push into motion, the middle finger, which I love. It is. Yeah. You give your crisis the middle finger. Yes, you know? totally. Like, who doesn't want to give can- cancer the middle finger yeah. or divorce or whatever? Or um, I can't believe the I loss just of a loved one. Yeah. Um, it's the action stage, you know, we call yeah. it push into motion and it, it's that finger of action. And so first we talk about motivation, you know, so how do you find the motivation? You know, when I've gone through tough times in life, sometimes my first reaction is I want to just build a blanket fort, you know, yeah. and just kind of hide away. You want how comfort. do we really, yeah. And, and how do we find the motivation to do some of these things? And some of these things are, are difficult. So we kind of divide them into easier tasks and tougher tasks and then teach some motivational techniques that can help us do the things we want to do, but we don't really want to do them. Yeah. I once did a podcast called 
why don't I want to do the things I want to do? And it was really about that motivation. I want to be in my skinny jeans. I want to exercise and be healthy, but I really want to be sitting on my couch over there, eating pizza and watching Netflix. Yes, totally. So I want to do the thing, but I don't really want to do the thing. So we, we talk about that in the action stage. And it's really important to do these steps in order because okay. if you don't plan and think through and have it under on an emotional level, your actions will be the ball in the pinball machine all over the place. Okay. They won't be as purposeful if you haven't thought through it. So it is important to go through those. You know, I'm thinking too, as you're talking, Dr. Love, that the middle finger that we give to the the issue, the problem, the crisis. I'm thinking to the stages of of grief as well and how anger can be motivating, that when we tap Mm -hmm. into anger about something, it can often fuel us into action out of that place of helplessness. And so I'm just reminded of that as, as you were talking. Yeah. And we, we have to find the fire in our belly. Right. To make changes. Yeah. Um, and so that's step three is about how do you find that when you just feel like you want to quit? Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking a quick word because I don't want to rush through them if that's okay with you. I'm here. Awesome. Perfect. So for those of you listening, I love audiobooks. And if you love them as much as I do, I'm happy to let you know that Audible dot com is my podcast sponsor they have been since the beginning the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling that's it it's that easy it's time to rethink recycling with renew particular value resources may vary by geography. More info available at hashtagrenew.com. Beginning, and as my listener, they're offering you a free audiobook download of your choice. Simply go to audibletrial.com forward slash ATT, that stands for All Things Therapy, and you're able to select a book to download, and it begins a subscription for you after 30 days, a paid subscription. You can either pay the fee and continue on with them or cancel it and keep the audiobook download. My book, The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness is up on there. I am the narrator. I took like 60 hours trial forward slash audibletrial.com forward slash ATT. My book and any book is up there. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from. Okay, Dr. Love, let's get back into these steps. The fourth step is pull back, having to do with yeah. the ring ring finger, reflection, ring finger. simplify. Yeah, mm-hmm. talk to us about that. So this finger, I think of intimacy when mm-hmm. I think of the ring finger. It's not particularly strong. Um, and, you know, the thing, this is the other the other thing that, that Dr. Hovick and I talked about in our collaboration is, you know, we have very different personalities and there's times in crisis where people who are very strong need to pull back a little bit and be reflective. And then there are people like me who like, I'm going to 
constant, you know, stage four, I reflect on everything. They're half big and strong. And, you know, so step after the action of step three and, and kind of starting to get things organized and going that step four is that reflective step of taking, um, a look and seeing how can I simplify my life right now? Um, and guilt-free, right? If you're taking care of an ill family member or your spouse or a parent or something, you should be looking at how to simplify the other areas to avoid just becoming completely miserable. You know, you have to step back and just go, okay, can I be the doctor and the soccer mom and the caregiver and the laundry person and the grocery shopper in the pandemic? Like, how do I, what what has to give, what has to give. So it's looking at what in my life is healthy. Maybe I can change. Are there some relationships in my life that aren't healthy? And, you know, I, I say you probably can't get, get rid of your mother-in-law, but how do you, how do you develop healthy boundaries with people who are maybe in your close circle that you can't get rid of, but they aren't enhancing your quality of life in the way that you need right now. How do you pull back from that and have some space? Yes. Um, so there's a lot of stuff within that pullback, that reflection and simplify. We do talk a lot about mindfulness um, and self-care. And I hate those words. It's like these words that used to be so you know, just magic. I remember the day where I could talk to my patient about self-care and they, their eyes would glaze over and they'd be like, oh my right gosh, up. you know, so and birds have everyone who's trying to sell you their latest, whatever you need on their Facebook page or, you know, right. so it's been stolen, but there is real beauty in being in the moment. And so we get into that in that fourth step, um, in a when less, you, you talk it, about setting intentions also, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's that, who am I? And what do I, who do I want to be? You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm coming out of this divorce, what do I value in my life? Yeah. And when I went through my divorce, I like looked at the path of my life and where I was and where I thought I would be. And I said, okay, how did that happen? Where am I now? Where do I want to be? What are the things I valued in little Jenny when she was younger? And how yeah. do I kind of get back into that part of myself as a whole person? So I think that there's a joy in doing that. And I think oftentimes we get so busy that we don't. Um, I have this analogy I use that's really embarrassing um, where I tell my patients that life is like snorkeling, but I lived in Hawaii for many years, so I think I can get away with it. But when you're snorkeling, that's life. And you are head down, you are watching the fish, you're looking for the, you know, is there a sea star and there's colors and, you know, watching out for the sharks. And it's so, there's so much movement, your attention is drawn there. But every once in a while, you have to look up and see where shore is or your Mm. boat because you can drift. And so there's times in life and crisis is one of those times where we look up and say, am I in the place where I need to be? And sometimes you just move up in life again. 
um, and we may be in the right place, but it is so worth it at so many different parts or times in our lives to take this break and to evaluate, am I in the right place um, where I feel like I should be to move forward? So that's really step four. And I'm thinking, Dr. Love, the importance of taking those reflective moments when we're not in a crisis, when we're just throughout our year, throughout our, mm-hmm. our day even. I encourage my clients to check in with yourself. How am I feeling? Sometimes we go through a day and, and nobody's asked us about our day. And so to ask yourself, like, hey, how, how's your day going? Just the internal dialogue to really be connected to oneself. Mm-hmm. What I typically do is I pick a word of the year. Okay. Um, and it gives me, cause I don't like new year's resolutions. And if I give myself a rule to follow, like I will break it. If I don't have them, like that's all I'll think about nonstop <laughs> is how much I have to have a donut. My brain is just very oppositional. So I found instead of limiting myself and creating rules, I do better when I put something in front of my eyes that I want to bring into my life. So I've used the words hope. Um, kindness was a really interesting one um, yeah. because I, I didn't choose that because I'm not kind. I wanted to see what would happen if everything that it, I did on a daily basis had that as my filter, mm. you know, what is, and so all day long, I'm saying to myself, what is the kind thing to do in this situation? And as a total introvert, it brought me out of that bubble brought me out of it and got me interacting with old ladies at the grocery store and, you know, commenting on, you know, someone, if I liked her handbag or, you know, just silly little things, but it really was an interesting lesson. Um, so it's helpful. You don't have, have to have to think about what would happen if I put integrity at the forefront of my mind? Mm. What happens if I put courage at the forefront of my mind or hope um, or trust? And to have something to actually focus on, I think can be extraordinarily helpful. I love that. And then the fifth step is related to the pinky finger and hold on, hold on and let go. Talk to us about what that means. So that's really, you know, the pinky, you know, as we researched all the hands um, or all the fingers on the hand, we were looking at everything from like, if you had to cut off one finger, which one should you pick? And you know, there's some really weird okay, stuff online about that. A lot of people pick the pinky, but you don't want to pick the pinky because half of the strength of your hand is in the pinky because it works wow. with the thumb. And oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, but we came up with this hold on and let go. Mm-hmm. And um, because it kind of, we felt embodied the pinky finger better, but also it's now that you've completed your reflection. What in your life are you going to choose to consciously hold on to and mm. consciously let go of? So yeah. maybe there's a grudge you've been holding against that mother-in-law that you want to let go of. Um, or maybe there's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe you have some really negative self-talk that you need to let, let go, go of. of. Yeah. And maybe you want to consciously hold on to your sense of humor that you've forgotten about in your crisis. And, you know, maybe there's some other character traits and, or um, behavior patterns, lifestyle choices. You know, I want to hold on to being able to let go of, you know, kind of my lazier tendencies. You know, it's really kind of personality driven and comes out of that reflective um, piece of stage four 
And then it's really kind of that final. So as you're coming out of that crisis, there's this gives a sense of renewal. There's this intention of who do I want to be as I'm dealing with a chronic crisis and who do I want to be as I'm emerging from this crisis? I love how you say that. And I think it's really important right now, something we can all do if we haven't been already going through this past year, almost of COVID. And what do we want to mm-hmm. hold on to that this time has taught us? For me, it's it's really being intentionally loving and connected to people that I care about and really valuing individuals and letting them know that Mm -hmm. as I feel led to versus getting so caught up in busyness that, that I lose track of the human connections that are so valuable and important. And so I think it's something we can all do based on whatever our experience has been in the past year. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so as we were going through the editing process, you know, our publishers in New York, and they were the first really heavily hit by COVID and like, bless their hearts. Like they're like, we are going to be dedicated to getting this release date and staying with it. And, um, so we had crazy deadlines at the end with editing and everything, but, um, they asked us early on, um, if we would kind of write our COVID stories. So maybe it was by April or May at this point, we're kind of getting toward the end um, of the editing, but Dr. Hovick and I wrote out our COVID stories and how we've been using the five steps in 2020 up to that point, because we have been using them. And I think it's important, you know, for people. And, you know, I talked to my patients about this, that just because I know all the tools, Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean that I don't have really low days. You know, we, with everything going on, it's this pandemic and socially, our social lives have just been chopped to pieces and the politics, the anger, and then we have social justice and all of these things that are near and dear to many of us um, Mm -hmm. going on at once. And what are those coping skills? I had really low days. I mean, I've got to say George Floyd's murder knocked me on the floor for like weeks. I had to do some serious self-reflection still in that process of just learning and reevaluating, you know, our history as a whole, continue to learn and what are the attitudes I need to think about and, and subconscious biases and everything. And that was a huge mental activity, but you know, in COVID, my identity got stolen. Someone filed my tax returns and and stole my stole the returns, and wow. we had all these things going on. In addition to all these other horrible things that were piling up in the world, right? And so it was really helpful, you know, to talk. You know, I don't share a lot with my patients about me because their sessions are about them, right? Um, of course. But it's really about, you know what, I have bad days too. And I use these steps. I tell my patients, I use uh, DBT coping strategies. I do a lot of DBT therapy with my patients. And it's all about using the five senses to relax. I love that stuff. My eyeballs, like, I love to see color. I like to see clean. I like 
candlelight. Um, now that we're in winter, even in California, you can light a fire at night in the fireplace. Uh, my, I love that kind of stuff. And so using the five senses, you know, I'm using all of the techniques I use with my patients Absolutely. on myself. I do I'm too. doing the yoga. I'm doing the breathing yeah. techniques. I'm, you know, I'm doing all of that. So I think it was really important for us to write a little bit about how we were using the steps um, in 2020, because certainly when we wrote the book, we didn't even know that would happen, but that's mm -hmm. just made everything worse. And so that's why I thought when I received this book, what, what wonderful timing and knowing you didn't plan this yet such mm -hmm. a resource, how can listeners and viewers get, get the book? What is the best way and reach out to you if they'd like to. Dr. Yeah. So the book is available anywhere books are sold. It's at Barnes and Noble. It's at Target. It is on Amazon in the U.S. and the U.K. Um, it's going to be in Russian and Polish soon awesome. and available in those countries. <laughs> um, so really, you can get it anywhere right now. Um, and it's on audible also. Awesome. Um, so there's eBooks and everything so they can find it there. I am on Instagram at Dr. Author Jennifer Love. There's a lot of Jennifer Love. So it's Dr. and then author Jennifer Love. Um, I'm on Clubhouse. If anyone is on Clubhouse, um, on Jennifer Love and you can come find me and, um, yeah, that's it. I'm not very good with I don't do Twitter. I'm not like the best with social media. I've got to get a millennial in to take this over. For me. Um, <laughs> I really sure do. Plenty of people that would be more than happy to help you. With As that. we can see that I couldn't figure out how to get myself on this Instagram live. Instagram, with, I'm with just learning myself. Dr. Love, so <laughs> no worries there. You know, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate this work that you're offering to us and just your very warm and open Demeter and spirit. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It's really kind of you to say, and I've loved being here with you. Me too. I'm so glad. Thank you. That concludes my show today with Dr. Jennifer Love and her and Dr. Hovick's book, When Crisis Strikes, Five Steps to Heal Your Brain, Body, and Learn from Chronic Stress. This book is on audible.com as well as mine. And if you'd like, if you don't have an audible subscription, audible trial, dot com forward slash att y'all all my love thank you for being here with us on facebook on instagram and wherever podcasts are hosted please leave a review a written review of all things therapy and reach out to me at nolatherapy.com you're listening to all things therapy with lisa tahir